0: Next is Ferrata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics sponsored by Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas Bank here. I'm Dan Permack. On today's show, Facebook friends a Democratic presidential candidate and how esports could become part of the Olympics. But first, the future of news is short and funny and often musical. What I'm talking about here is TikTok, the pithy video app that has overtaken America's middle schools and high schools with over 500 million monthly active users. For context, that's hundreds of millions more than Snapchat. And in 2018, TikTok overtook YouTube YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook in terms of downloads. Now TikTok is owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance, which is now considered to be the world's most valuable startup at $75 billion, which has created all sorts of concern in D.C. and Silicon Valley that it's vulnerable to censorship or data privacy risks. But that hasn't slowed down its U.S. adoption, including at the Washington Post. Yeah, that Washington Post, which earlier this year began posting videos that thematically look a little bit like The Office TV show, but for an audience that wasn't even born when that show began. Bottom line here is that news organizations are desperate to hook the next generation, and TikTok could be the means to that end, even if it doesn't look anything like traditional journalism. The Washington Post's TikTok feed, for example, had over a billion views since launch. Now, there's no direct way to monetize that yet, but that was also true in the early days of Snapchat and Instagram, and there is just no way that a billion eyeballs won't turn into cash, eventually. For someone. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Dave Jorgensen, who runs The Washington Post's TikTok account. But first, this. This episode is brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank. Know everything about coding, but not so much about banking? For more than 35 years, Silicon Valley Bank has been helping high-growth companies navigate through each stage of the startup journey. Stay tuned to learn more. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas, bank here. We're joined now by Dave Jorgensen, who runs the Washington Post's TikTok account, which has nearly 200,000 fans and has made videos hearted over five million times. So Dave, let's start with the obvious here. Why does the Washington Post, a Pulitzer Prize award-winning news organization, have a TikTok account?
1: The simple answer, and I actually think it's the best answer, is that it has over 1.4 billion individual downloads. And so there's this giant untapped audience And that was the number one thing where I said, this app is amazing, it's really fun. On top of that, there's all these people who do not get our newspaper, don't even know that The Washington Post is in D.C. A lot of the comments we get on TikToks are, what part of Washington State are you in? So we're reaching this whole <laughs> new audience that didn't even know who we were, never saw the movie The Post, and are completely outside this beltway. So it's actually really exciting and, and fun and just, I think, actually
0: strategically pretty smart. When you say it that way, it almost sounds like a branding exercise. Am I wrong? Uh,
1: no, I wouldn't call it a branding exercise. It certainly enhances our brand. But I do think that long term, we're going to really actually be able to deliver news, especially as we can start linking you know, our articles into the app, but it certainly doesn't hurt our brand and people seem to like us more and more on the app. And I wouldn't say that's a bad thing, but for me, it's definitely not a branding exercise.
0: Let me go a little bit earlier before you had that success. And before you had all those people downloading it, what was your pitch internally at the post or did you even make one? Did you just decide to start doing this and then go into your bosses at one point and say, look, lots of people are watching this.
1: No, no, I made a massive pitch because everything here has about, you know, I have about 10 bosses above me. And uh, I made this seven page document and just had every single anticipated question they might have on it. I'd already been here for two years at this point. So I knew what kind of questions they might have about it, what kind of hesitancies, all those things. So uh, I made a big deal out of it. And then I waited a, a month or two until they were absolutely sure. And then we started making TikToks.
0: You made a comment that at some point you hope to be able to kind of link in Washington Post news stories into that. Is that a technical challenge right now? Now? And if so, are you kind of just waiting for TikTok to continue adding functionality? Yeah, it's
1: totally a functionality thing. They have all but said, but basically told us that there will be links at one point, not on like Instagram, where you you know can swipe up and things like that. So it is just a functionality thing. But for now, growing the fan base is exactly what I'm focused on. And, and honestly, I, I think that's going well. I didn't even realize it was closer to 200,000 until you said that, but that is the case.
0: How do you balance kind of, let's call it a journalism with entertainment in this, right? Because I, I've seen a bunch of your TikToks. Right. Some of them, you know, are talking about or are kind of based on news stories or things that are happening in the world. Some of them seem to be purely for entertainment's sake. How do you balance those, particularly in the context of the post? You're not working, you know, for a movie studio or something like that.
1: Right, there's no playbook on it, so it is tough. Like it, it does seem all sort of arbitrary. Or, you know, I, I don't really have any specific guidelines I could point to that I run, other than I tried to do two or three a week that, at the very least, introduce a journalist and what that journalist is working on in the news, and the other two kind of going along with whatever the TikTok meme is and try to put it within the trending TikTok meme and try to put it within the framework of what we do at the Post. They seem to really like seeing the newsroom and the office and. For some reason, Gen Z loves the show The Office because of Netflix, so I kind of play into that quite a bit and try to introduce what a newsroom is like here in D.C.
0: Dave, what's the argument for why, from your perspective, TikTok will have staying power as opposed to say, something like Vine, which clearly was kind of an ancestor to it? Oh, I miss Vine so much. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I think <laughs> I think for for one thing, the most... It's tough. Okay, so TikTok definitely learned from everything that people have done. I think they learned a lot, even mistakes from Snapchat, what's still around. But I do think that long-term, TikTok just has more staying power. I think it's just a better app than Vine. From a creator standpoint, a user creator, what, what makes it better? There's just so much more to do, and they're constantly innovating. Vine was smart in that it sort of forced you to do something within six and a half seconds. And that was like creatively actually a really fun challenge. But TikTok just has like a thousand more things they can do with their effects and the music. And there's just sort of seemingly endless possibilities. And they continue to innovate. That's like the bigger answer here is Vine was just this app that stayed the same. And that's fine, but they never tried to do more and and listen to what users wanted. So I think TikTok does a much better job of that.
0: Dave, have you been getting calls from people at other traditional media organizations asking for whether they'd be best practices or probably even should we be doing this too?
1: Yeah, all of that. I get Twitter messages, LinkedIn. It's become less of, uh, I think a few months ago, it was, should we do this? And now it's, they want to do it, but they still don't know how. And my answer is always, you just need to reflect your newsroom values. Not to say that other newsrooms have different moral values, but the the Washington Post is is a place that is, we work very hard, but we also, I think people have a really great sense of humor. And so our TikTok reflects that. So that's what I always say, is if you're going to do it, you need to show exactly what your newsroom is like.
0: Has it changed, you know, when you walk through your newsroom, I guess you use your phone as the camera's, When you walk through, are there people who kind of shrink away? They kind of see you coming and suddenly pick up a phone and pretend to be working real hard? Or does everyone kind of look up at you and say, oh, I hope he picks me. I hope he picks me like a kid's soccer game.
1: Uh, You just said it. it's a healthy mix. And maybe I'm just hyper aware. It seems to be either or. And, you know, the people that are kind of shrinking away, I don't film them. I run away. But I think more and more we're getting people who are just really excited. The one we did Friday was I just started walking around and asking people if they wanted to be in it because I wanted as many people as possible. And that was the first time I felt this, oh, everyone is much more interested in this than they were, you know, back when I started and had no idea what I was doing.
0: Dave, final question for you and a more serious one. There has been some talk, Marco Rubio, among others, have talked about potential censorship on TikTok owned by a Chinese company. Is that something you have experienced and or are you, what's the word, hesitant potentially, for example, to do something, say, on the Hong Kong protests, you know, tied into the newsroom?
1: I'm not hesitant to do anything on the Hong Kong protest. It's something, obviously, we're aware of. I mean, the Washington Post broke news on it. Uh, Tony Rahm and Drew Harwell wrote actually a, a great piece about it, but I'm just the content creator in this situation, so I let them do their job. Do you I, think
0: you could do it via TikTok? In other words, would you be able to have Tony talk about that story on TikTok, or do you feel that this is a platform you can't do oh, that I, on?
1: I would absolutely have him do that if, if that was something he wanted to do. <laughs> Though He doesn't really have much interest in being TikTok, but yeah, no, I, I have no fear of putting him on it. I, I don't feel that anything we've done political or otherwise has been censored here in the U.S., so I would hope that would be the, the case still.
0: Dave Jorgensen of The Washington Post, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dan. My final two, right after this. Earlier, we highlighted Silicon Valley Bank's experience with helping startups. But with Silicon Valley Bank, you're also getting a partner committed to supporting you as you strive to hit your next milestones. Perhaps that's why 50% of VC-backed tech and life science companies choose Silicon Valley Bank. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas. Bank here. Now it's time for my final two. And first up are Mark Zuckerberg and wife Priscilla Chan. Bloomberg reports that they earlier this year sent staffing recommendations to the Pete Buttigieg for President campaign. And among them was a data scientist from Quora, which is a company founded by ex-Facebook employees, and a former engineer for Zuckerberg and Chan's charity. Both got hired. Zuckerberg says via spokesman that he hasn't yet decided on who to support for president. But here's Buttigieg earlier this year talking Facebook on the ProRata podcast.
1: There's no question that uh, the concentration that should set off alarm from a market perspective. And there's a whole other set of issues that are less in the antitrust bucket, but also need attention, having to do with the ownership of data and deciding when we're gonna be effectively the
0: product. And finally, Axios on HBO returned last night and included a segment I did on the future of esports. One thing that didn't make the final cut was part of an interview with Angela Ruggiero, a four-time Olympic ice hockey player who now runs the Sports Innovation Lab in Boston. She was on the Olympic Committee back when it first began discussing the addition of esports to the games and says she does expect it to eventually become part of the Olympics, but likely a proprietary game overseen by a non-profit federation. In other words, no gold medals for Fortnite or for Overwatch. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers Tim Shovers and Jesse Lee, have a great National Reptile Awareness Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.